0: Every Monday to Friday, this is Peter Lewis's Money Talk. talk.
1: Good morning. A warm welcome to Money Talk at the start of a new month. It's Monday, the 3rd of July. This is Peter Lewis welcoming you to my podcast, which you can find on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts and Spotify. Thank you for making it one of the most listened to financial podcasts in Hong Kong. This podcast is sponsored by Surfing Group, which is headquartered in Singapore and offers online financial services to 30 million customers across 10 countries. In today's business and finance headlines, U.S. consumer spending moderated in May, while the Federal Reserve's preferred inflation metric showed that price growth slowed. The U.S. core personal consumption expenditure price index rose by 0.3% month-on-month in May, as expected. The index, which excludes food and energy, eased from the 0.4% increase in the previous month, and that put the annualized rate at 4.6%, down from 4.7% in April. The People's Bank of China announced on Saturday that Pang Gong Sheng has been appointed to the role of Communist Party Chief at the Central Bank, replacing Go Xu and putting him in line to be the next Governor. The Party Chief is the most powerful political position at the bank, and he can hold more influence than the Governor. Mr. Pan is expected to also be announced as the next bank Governor, replacing Yi Gang, who has served in the role for more than five years. China's manufacturing sector contracted in June for the third straight month, and service sector growth was slower than expected, adding impetus to calls for government stimulus to boost the flagging economy. The manufacturing PMI rose to 49 in June from 48.8 in May, matching economists' forecasts. The non-manufacturing PMI, which includes services, agriculture and construction, came at 53.2, marginally behind expectations from 54.5 a month earlier. That was the sixth consecutive month of expansion in services activity, but the weakest growth since January. Derivative contracts with a notional value of about 7.5 billion US dollars traded in Singapore will shift to India as a cross-border trading link between the two Asian countries' Bourses becomes fully operational today. Trading in the Singapore Exchange's futures on India's NSE Nifty 50 Index and all outstanding orders will be transferred to the NSE International Exchange in Gift City, the new financial hub in the Western Indian state of Gujarat. The contract will be known as Gift Nifty from today. On today's programme, I'm joined by Alex Wong, Director at Alex KY Wong Asset Management and John Schofield, Managing Director of Tempest Investment. With a view from Singapore is Jeff Howey, Market Strategist at the Singapore Exchange. And there are several ways to get in touch. You can go to my website, peterlewismoneytalk.substack.com. I'm also on Facebook, peterlewismoneytalk is the page. And on Twitter, I'm at moneytalkr3. We're under new Twitter rules. You can only read 600 tweets a day if you're an unverified account. In US markets, the NASDAQ composite recorded its best first half of the year since 1983. The index gained almost 32% for the first six months of 2023 as markets closed on Friday, the last day of June. The biggest contributors to the market rally have been just seven large tech companies, Apple, Amazon, Microsoft, Nvidia, Alphabet, Meta and Tesla. Apple on Friday hit a new record high, valuing the company at more than 3 trillion US dollars, while Chipmaker Nvidia has gained 189% in price since the start of the year. On Friday, the Nasdaq closed 1.5% higher at 13,788, leaving it with gains of 6.6% for the month of June and 12.8% for the second quarter. The broader S&P 500 index has risen 16% since the start of the year. The S&P 500 closed Friday's session with a gain of 1.2% to 4,450, and it's up 6.5% for the month and 8.3% for the last quarter. The Dow is the relative underperformer with gains of 3.8% in the first half. It closed Friday 285 points or 0.8% firmer at 34,408. The yield on the 10-year government bond is essentially where it started 2023 at 3.84% but the yield on the two-year is almost 50 basis points higher at 4.9%. That leaves the yield curve with a record inversion of minus 106 basis points. That's normally regarded as a harbinger of a recession. In the currency markets, the Japanese yen fell to a seven-month low against the dollar on Friday. The Japanese currency is down 10% year-to-date, trading at 144.32 to the US dollar. And for 2023 so far in Asia, Japan is the region's best performing equity market with gains of 27.2%, taking the Nikkei 225 to 33,189 and hitting the highest level since July 1990 last month. South Korea's Cosby is higher by 14.7% in 2023 so far. In India, the Nifty 50 hit an all-time high in June and is up 10.5% for the quarter and 6% for the first half. Chinese stocks have been the global underperformers in the first half of 2023. The Hang Seng index has lost 7.3% since March 31st, wiping US$330 billion US of market value from its 80 blue chip members. For the first six months of 2023, it's down 4.4%. And leading the losers over the quarter, sportswear maker Li Ning tumbled almost 32%, while Anta sports slumped almost 30%. Futures markets are indicating a gain of around 120 points at the open. That's a rise of 0.6%. On the mainland, the Shanghai Composites rose 0.6% Friday to 3,202 for a quarterly loss of 2.2%. And for the year so far, it's up 3.7%. You can get more details on all the latest market movements in my daily newsletter, which you'll find at peterlewismoneytalk.substack.com.
2: Every Monday to Friday,
1: this is Peter Lewis's Money Talk. Peter
3: Lewis's
1: Money Talk. Welcome our guests this Monday morning. We have with us Alex Wong, Director of Alex K Y Wong Asset Management. Morning, Alex. Good morning, Peter. And also with us John Schofield, Managing Director of Tempest Investment. Morning to you, John.
3: Yes, hello. Good morning, Peter.
1: Well, as you heard, there um, the Nasdaq Composite recorded its best first half of the year since 1983, after investors flocked to the tech heavy uh, to the tech heavy index in the gate in the hope that they're going to benefit from the growth of artificial intelligence. Thirty two percent for the first six months of 2023. The Nasdaq 100 done even better surging 39% in the first half of 2023 Alex I guess it's getting harder and harder though isn't it to to
0: chase this rally when you start seeing uh, these sort of numbers oh yeah of course I think uh, the AI story actually is uh, reflected a lot but I think uh, the trend is still there because the AI story actually would be out there for quite some time I think so um and also people probably would find it difficult to find other investments uh, because of the, in fact, recession fears in the in the group. And, and also I think China probably would still be bad. So I think uh, we probably would, would see this kind of a corner bull market uh, to continue in the U.S. Now, there's an interesting statistic I found that
1: historically, apart from one year, which was the year of the Great Depression in 1929, when the S&P 500 has had gained more than 10% or more in the first half, Um, it's also up for the, uh, it's been up every single year as well, but
0: surely, surely, we're not going to see the same sort of gains in the second half, are we? Uh, I don't know, actually, I think uh, it it depends a lot uh, on the, um, on several counters. I think the story in, 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 in the MegaTech would remain intact and, and it just, I let the market higher and higher. So I think uh, it's difficult to 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 see the the the, the top of this kind of uh, mega tax. But I think uh, this would be a polarized market, and uh, not every stocks would participate in the in the in the new high. So I think. Uh, Quite likely, we would continue to see this kind of uh, a market supported by a few counters.
1: But is it going to be a different few counters in the second half of the year? Do you think? Because we've had obviously the seven I mentioned—the Microsofts, the Apples—will yeah. it be a different seven or a different uh, broader sector?
0: Actually, I like for I think I think uh, Tesla, uh, Microsoft, Apple, and Nvidia probably would still be the leaders. Uh, mm. But I think um, Amazon, Google, and Facebook probably may not. Mm. Uh, so I think uh, the, the 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 concentrated. Uh, 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 film would still be there, and and probably these four, I think, I would continue to lead the market because I think uh, me people are now looking at sector dominance, and and the future earnings are more, uh, more, more, more importantly. So uh, these four actually, I think, uh, have uh, uh, more solid uh, stories than others. So I think uh, probably we'll continue to see this kind of concentration. Even, even Apple's added a trillion dollars in the first half of the year. So it's gone from two trillion to three trillion. And it's yep. a company that's um, profits are slowing as well. But I think it created a, a new category, spatial computing, uh, by the introduction of Vision Pro. And the market actually is not uh, very um, that yet. But I think the, the rollout uh, probably would be better than expected. So, um, with this kind of a new category creating, uh, I think uh, probably we continue to see strength, uh, in, and, and very likely we would see it to uh, dig deeper into in this uh, uh, existing customer's pocket. I think uh, so. That's why I think Apple will would would still be going.
1: John, what are your thoughts about this? Quite an extraordinary rally, isn't it, in just a small number of stocks. What do you do for the second half of the year?
3: Well, I think momentum is uh, uh, is starting to pick up. And I, th- I think the next phase, whatever that is, you know, say next quarter, I think, we may see some broadening. Uh, I certainly agree that the, uh, you know, the leading, theme, the leaders will remain the leaders. Um, but we're also going to see... Um, the, the S and P rally broaden out to uh, to uh, to other counters that um, are kind of benefiting from the um, you know growing macro confidence. I think in in the U S. Um, because the, the monetary policy uh, seems to be doing the job uh, in keeping uh, you know keeping steady downward pressure on on the um, on, on inflation um, without triggering a recession. Um, I think. Um, I think they've been lucky in the sense that this sudden, this well, this wave of new te- technological in- innovation, which is you know driving future earnings growth, um, not only for those counters, but of course the benefits of the of the increased productivity will will broaden out to other other um, other sectors and other companies.
1: I know the stock market doesn't have to follow the economy, but nevertheless, the, the economic backdrop is worsening, isn't it? So we've seen this rally um, in, into a, a worsening economic backdrop, albeit you know, in, inflation is stabilizing. But if you look at some of the other economic numbers, it does suggest a slowdown.
3: Um, yeah, it's slower. Um, but not a recession. But, uh, but no, no sign of a recession. As I say, I think um, earnings momentum is, is picking up um uh, other other signs for example the the US um the, the housing market in the US is uh, is is turning quite strong mm. uh, now that uh, my my um, my impression is that the the economy US economy has you know adjusted to the new the new normal uh, set of interest rates um and and uh, you know if you look at things like the the Chicago Fed's uh, financial conditions index is actually showing that financial the financial conditions are are loosening have been on a, on a loosening trend um you know despite the decline in in uh, money supply m2 but um that financial conditions index is made up of you know hundreds of um dozens of components uh, including things like um you know credit spreads and and stock market volatility and we've seen uh the S and P, the VIX has come come way down now to um, somewhere around twelve twelve to fourteen percent range, you know, which is which um, just shows that you know we, we're we're gaining confidence rather than mm-hmm. rather
1: than. Uh, but the, the the yield curve has been screaming recession all year while yeah. the market has been rallied. How how long does it take for these? interest rate rises which have been going on for a year now um to, to have an effect on the economy then because you know as you say some of these indicators are, are ticking upwards like the housing market and so on so yeah. so when what should we be looking at a year two years what, what's the normal time frame for this
3: um i don't know i suspect the uh, you know the economic mo- the old economic models are probably not <laughs> working in quite the same way uh, mm. anymore yes um i'm looking for i I, th- I think the bond market is probably going to um, is going to back up a bit what well, the yields are going to back up i, I think um normalization also in- includes normalization of the yield curve and that's not by not by cutting short term interest rates but by by um you know i think uh, i think um long term you know longer term yields will 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 back up mm-hmm. uh, mainly because of, of fund flows um now that investors have you know now investors have a natural hedge of, in cash and they can get a decent return on cash they they probably going to um, eschew bonds and uh you know so the the old 60 40 model or whatever will will continue to invest in, in equities but but on, the hedge will be in cash rather than rather than bonds
1: Alex, would you, would you be tempted to lock in these yields now? Almost 5% on the, on the two-year, isn't it? So risk-free. It's better than the dividend Sorry, yield. I was talking
3: about the sort of 10-year yields. I mean, that, that 3.8 or whatever it is is, mm. is is too low.
1: Alex, would you be tempted to lock in these,
0: uh, these yields? I mm. think if you have some excess cash flow, of course, it would be tempted. But uh, I think uh, the, the rally in the AI actually would be a very rare theme to play by. So I've, it is also a very rare occurrence in the history. So I think uh, you need to take some risk at this year, at this, at this I think. I'm
1: wondering, though, where the shocks could come from in the second half. So many people are talking about this rally um, sort of continuing. So many people like um, the, the AI sector. I'm just wondering where the shock could come for maybe the equity markets or the credit markets
0: um, in the second quarter of the year that could potentially derail all of this. Uh, it is very difficult to call, but I think uh, because first of all, I think uh, the shock, we would see uh, some uh, steep correction. Occurring, I think, because uh, we have been in a uh, steady rise for quite some time. So every correction, I think, would trigger some profit taking, and mm-hmm. and probably would last uh, for for not very long time. Probably three four days correction, and and the magnitude probably would be a little bit bigger than than usual. Just like we are seeing with those kind of rebangs um, in Hong Kong. So we probably will see a sharp rebound in Hong Kong and a sharp retreat in the U.S. in, in the second half. But uh, those uh, probably may not be sustainable. I think people would still uh, uh, engage in the long-term story, so um, probably they would still be looking to pick up uh, because I think many people miss this rally. Mm. So uh, very likely, we'll see this kind of buy-on-deep uh, uh, attitude uh, to remain in the market. So uh, I suspect uh, a major shock may not be easy to go to to come uh, unless we are seeing uh, some major governments. Uh, 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 Putting very severe restrictions on the development of AI. I think that probably may be the shock, but that I think uh, may not likely to happen in the West.
1: What, what about um, a, a shock in terms of if interest rates go up further, they cause some sort of market accidents like we saw earlier this year in the, um, in, in the regional banks in the US, although ultimately the markets sort of shook it all off, didn't they? But uh, it seems to me that it's getting more and more likely that we're going to see some sort of market accident at some point um, as, as certainly the Fed and the ECB ramp up rates further.
0: Oh, well, I think, uh, uh, first of all, the inflation is uh, picking up uh, picking out, uh, gradually. So China actually is exporting some deflation. Mm. So and also the commodity markets actually is not rising uh, already. So uh, we are seeing um, signs of uh, hope in the inflation containment. And then uh, so we probably may not see uh, a very uh, aggressive rate hike by the central banks uh, in the world uh, already. And then uh, and also I think the the the, the Fed handled the regional crisis quite well. So probably people would have confidence that they, they could handle this kind of shock uh, uh, in the future as well. John, do you worry about a market accident as rates go higher? Um,
3: not really. I think um, if we just focus on, on the Fed and the U.S. situation, um, the Fed has been remarkably consistent over the last year or so, despite you know markets occasionally panicking one way or the other, that they're, they're going to have to start cutting rates. Sort of, they've tightened you know progressively and steadily up to their... Their forecast of uh, you know just about five percent, so we're we're almost there. Meanwhile, but what needs to happen is um, for a a sustained period of uh, short-term interest rates being you know above the rate of inflation, which is where we are now in in more or less in the U.S. I wouldn't be surprised to see one more uh, one more touch up in uh, in the uh, the July uh, Fed meeting. but then then as long as uh, inflation is stable or uh, or slowly declining and there's a, a, a real interest rate of uh, say around one percent um, then then I think we'll have you know re- it's quite stable mon- monetary conditions so I don't I don't see that um, um, you know I don't I don't really see see that the, the shock coming from the US um, European situation slightly different um, you know cuz the economy there is much much uh, you know much less robust uh, again partly because they don't have this uh, these uh, you know mega tech companies uh to rely on to produce produce the growth that we we're seeing at the moment um japan also i think um you know there's there's potential the, the japanese situation is not 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 sustainable zero or even negative interest rates still um The yen is sort of weakened to the near to the top of its uh, long term range.
1: Could that Um, could that be where the market accident occurs in Japan?
3: Well, yes. Don't don't forget, there's a huge um, you know uh, debt bubble uh, in Japanese government bonds, two hundred seventy percent of GDP or whatever it is. Um, People have chosen to ignore that because the stock market is is doing very well for. um, for a couple of reasons, one is the, the changed uh, you know, corporate governance environment in Japan, plus the fact that they have a you know a good share of the leading um, uh, global technology and, and high end manufacturing uh, companies in the stock exchange. So that's um, um, that's one side of the equation. But uh, sooner or later, they're going to have to get give an in, uh, an interest rate to. Uh, to, to, to people to, to yeah. stabilise the currency. and uh,
1: It'll be interesting to see how the Bank of up. Japan gets out of this ultra-loose monetary policy without uh, sort of upending the markets in the process. Yeah. What about China markets, Alex? The Hang Seng, mm. uh, down more than 4% in the first half of the year. It's um, Out of the 92 sort of primary indices that, that Bloomberg track, it's, it's
0: almost the worst. There's only a couple worse than the Hang Seng. Mm. Um, but what about the second half of the year? I think it would still underperform. First of all, I think uh, people don't like the AI stories in China because uh, of the risk of uh, um, government regulations and also uh, the uh, constraints on uh, chips by, imposed by uh, the Western world. So I think uh, the AI film is not paying out in China or it just pay out in uh, some uh, middle caps and, and not the large cap. So it will not have uh, help to support the market. And then uh, we have the UNMB to continue to depreciate and the government seems to allow that, and I think uh, this is hurting the uh, uh, the value of the cash flows of uh, those uh, stable SMEs. Yeah. So uh, those those stable SOEs, SOE, sorry. Uh, so uh, we are seeing some kind of uh, uh, pressure on on those uh, leaders like uh, China Mobile, China Telecoms uh, in the mm-hmm. in the recent months because of the weak人民币. I've, so I think uh, the, the 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 problem in China probably would persist because we have just uh, get a bubble buzz on the um, on the property market there, and also the lack of technology uh, fame and then also the RMB is weakening. Mm-hmm. So I think uh, this is um, not a good environment, and 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 also people chose to. Uh, buy on um, European or, or, or Japanese uh, companies for the consumer names in China, mm-hmm. because uh, those companies also have uh, active participation in the local market in, in the China market. But they probably will be safer to bet. So that's why we are seeing a uh, devaluation of Leaning Li and Anta uh, very severely recently. Mm-hmm. So uh, this kind of choice, I think, uh, would still be made by those uh, foreign investors. So very likely, we would see. Um, continue weakness in China because if you want to play the India film, you also can get into those um, um, multinational companies. I mean the consumer names. So that's why we are seeing weakness in 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 in, in, in almost all areas in in the China markets right now. Yeah. John, what are your thoughts?
3: Um, yeah, it's pretty much the same. The, the macro um, macro background is pretty awful, and then you've got the very specific. Um, Problem of uh, China not being not being able to tap into this theme of the, the you know the new the new wave of technological innovation um, for for various reasons, including the the, the geopolitical one. Um, so you know uh, until we see some change in the in the in the regulatory environment, in particular, which is basically very hostile, I think, to to foreign. Uh, foreign companies op- operating in, in, in China, or and I, I think very few will be tempted to um, to increase their investments in, in, in China, manufacturing in China. Um, but they
1: say, I mean, if you listen to Xi Jinping when he met with Chris Hipkins, the New Zealand Prime Minister, last week, we're open, you know, we're going to look after foreign investors. Um, is it just yeah, talk?
3: And, and, uh, frankly, yes, it's only in very selected areas which, <laughs> you know, mm. which kind of... Uh, it kind of uh, narrows the options.
1: Uh, Are foreign investors taking a big risk here? They're very underweight now, aren't they, the China market? They were mm. s- net sellers in the last quarter from April to June, sold about 2.7 billion yuan of mainland shares. Uh, that's the yeah. first quarterly outflow we've seen since the third quarter of last year. But they're at risk, aren't they, here? If we see a sharp rebound now, they're really going to mm. underperform.
0: I, I think uh, there's no kind of sharp rebound may happen from time to time. But if you look at a longer, t- longer term horizon say uh if you look back in the past uh, decade actually if you not invest in china actually you will not lose much because in over the decade uh, we have been underperforming mm. so much so <laughs> so i think that people are taking a long t- longer term uh, uh horizon and they are fed up so and and also the the story actually is not changing uh, we, we need to see a a very drastic change in the uh, Chinese government attitude towards the private sector. I think that's the key thing to change. Another thing is the, the constraint uh, imposed by the US on the semiconductors industry. So that is the two key things uh, uh, in investing in China. And if we are not seeing uh, drastic changes in this, in either one of them, then probably we may not see sustainable uh, uh, reversal in the Chinese market. So we, from time to time we may see source squeeze like uh, 2,000 points rally in the Hang Index, just mm-hmm. like what happened in in early June, but uh, that will not be sustainable because uh, I think uh, the key in fundamental would be the uh, government uh, regulation risk and also the, um, the, the 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 lack of technology advance because of this uh, chip industry. Mm-hmm. So I think uh, these two are the real key variables, and 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 and, and, and it, without key changes, I think uh, we will not see uh, a, a reversal. And people probably may underperform for a while, but uh, they will not underperform in a two, three years uh, (laughs) Mm time of eyesight, I think. So to be
1: clear, what you're saying here is really to see a a sustainable rally in China, because there's a lot of optimism at the moment out there about the second half, but you're saying to see a sustainable rally in China, one of two things have got to happen, or ideally both, a change in the political environment towards foreign investors and foreign companies. Private companies, I think. Private companies, and then also an improvement in the geopolitical situation. Yeah, right. Those
0: are the two key key changes needed. Mm. Either one would help. But uh, uh, what you say about the optimism actually is a a limited optimism. We're talking about the the, 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 the targets of the Hang Seng Index is only around 22,000, 23,000 which is mm-hmm. fairly limited, actually, mm-hmm. because we have already seen that in, in early j- January this year. So I think uh, people actually are lowering their targets, and they are getting fed up, I think. Uh, so uh, really, they are not that optimistic. So even though they are talking about a 15 to 20% upside, actually, they, this is uh, just a catch-up, not a really reversal. Mm-hmm. John, let me get the final thoughts
1: then from you. Do, do you agree, first of all, with those two uh, key things to, for a market rally to be sustainable and change in attitude by the Chinese government towards private companies and then also an improvement in the geopolitical situation? Are they, in your mind, the two key things to get this market really going on a sustainable basis on the mainland?
3: Yeah, I think that those two, but then, then we still have to think about the macro environment, the debt problem, the property sector and, uh, and that kind of thing. So it's even
1: worse. Yes, whichever things.
3: way you look at the moment, they're, 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 we're in a bind, or people investing in China are in a, in a bind. Yeah.
1: And, and if you look at the economic data that came out, the factory activity yeah. shrinking for the third straight month, and the services yeah. side, the non-manufacturing, although it's still expanding, it, it's slowing down. It, it doesn't look like yeah. the macro picture is getting any better, does it? If you look at these PMI data...
3: Um, no no um, people are talking about monetary stimulus um, um, and I don't think that I don't think that will have any any effect when we've got all this uh, all this debt out there which pe- people really want to um, want to uh, want to reduce um, so I think any uh, fiscal stimulus um, again it should not be targeted to um, the same old same old you know infrastructure and fixed assets Investment needs to be targeted towards, um, uh, you know, services and, and you know maybe healthcare, welfare, things like that, for, mm. for, for to to get to get the confidence of the, the you know, Chinese consumers back. I mean, at the moment they, you know, they're drawing their horns in, um, trying to, uh, you know, re- repay their mortgages and, and increase their savings and,
1: and not spending money. The China Beige Book, its latest quarterly report, it said basically the stimulus is just isn't working.
3: Yes, I, I, I saw that in your, in your report. And that's right. What, what's it? Uh, pushing on a piece of string or something yep. like that. Yeah.
1: Yep. No, you- that uh, certainly seems to be the case. Okay, well, thank you both for your thoughts there. very interesting discussion uh, this morning, and lots of good ideas there about what to look out for um, going forward. You heard there John Schofield, who is managing Director at Tempus Investment, Alex Wong, who is director of Alex K.Y. Wong Asset Management.
2: Peter is money talk.
1: I'm joined now by Jeff Howey, who is market strategist at the Singapore Exchange morning, Jeff.
2: Good morning, Peter.
1: Just before we start talking about the markets in the first half of this year in your region, I just wanted to get a, a quick thought from you about your new tie-up that uh, you've been working on with the uh, with the NSE um, in India. And there's going to be, I think, a new um, contract, isn't there, on the uh, on the NSE Nifty Fifty called the the Gift Nifty from now on.
2: Yeah, that's exactly right. It's Gift uh, Gift GIF Connect is now fully operational, so that's involved the transition of our SGX NIFTY derivatives to the NSE International Exchange. So all those US dollar denominated NIFTY derivative contracts, they're now exclusively traded on the NSE International Exchange through this gift connect. And it defragments the NIFTY market. And the initiative is obviously looking to grow international as well as domestic liquidity pools. So that Uh, should, uh, in theory, uh, bolster activity in the India market. So we've migrated all our open positions in SGX Nifty. We did that after the Friday closed, and thus there's no open interest remaining in SGX Nifty, and those SGX Nifty positions were all converted to uh, the NSE, International Exchange, gift Nifty positions, based on a conversion ratio of one-to-one. If
1: if you're an, an international investor or you're based down in Singapore, can they still trade through the SGX? Albeit the the, the positions will end up on the uh, the NSE in uh, in Gujarat, but can they still access the market through the Singapore Exchange if they wanted to?
2: Yeah, well, the the thing is with this arrangement, we, we Singapore and India want mutual growth and liquidity. That's mm. our focus, and the um, we've got this SGX India Connect. IFSC uh, uh, as a as special purpose vehicle, so and this uh, we have this wholly owned subsidiary incorporated in India. So we route through our members' orders on Nifty contracts to the Gift Connect for trade matching, and that means that trades executed through SGX on the NSE International Exchange, they are cleared on the NSE uh, IFSC Clearing Corporation while at the same time simultaneously cleared on SGXDC as a central counterparty for our clearing members. So your members, uh, our members, uh, SGXDC members and and your investors will be subject to SGXDC clearing infrastructure and risk management. So um, there's no open interest remaining here but uh, when it comes to the execution and the clearing, we're certainly involved.
1: Okay. Well, that sounds great. And presumably, there's good opportunities for new products going forward in the, in the, in the future.
2: Yeah, especially on the, on the different sectors, as you've seen, obviously, in Hong Kong and Hang Seng, and the, the various uh, need for investors to have uh, the, the big benchmark indices fragmented by the different, various different sectors, such as banks, financials, and tech.
1: Okay, well, let me ask you about the performance of the Southeast Asian um, region in the first half of the year. It's been a bit disappointing, hasn't it? If we look at the top six sort of markets there in Singapore, the Straits Times is down 1.4 percent year to date. The Jakarta Stock Exchange Index, minus 2.8 percent. Poor old Thailand, almost 10 percent down. Philippines, one and a half percent. Malaysia, almost 8 percent down. But the big standout, Vietnam, up over 11 percent. Uh, in the first yeah. half, slightly bucking the trend, isn't it, of what we've seen elsewhere um, uh, around the world?
2: Yeah, that's exactly right, but Vietnam is a peripheral too when you consider that Vietnam, uh, the bank, the central bank, is actually cutting interest rates now mm. on, a, on an accommodative stance. And the reason being is Vietnam's GDP growth of, what is it, 3.3%, that's about half the forecast that we were expecting for Vietnam, that the world was expecting for Vietnam this year. And uh, for that reason, yeah, you've had you've had Vietnam up around 11% in the year to date versus that 2% decline we've seen for our broad regional benchmark, the FTSE ASEAN 60 Index. So, uh, as you mentioned, uh, STI has been pretty flat when you consider the dividend returns as well and that follows us being the best performer last year and you know the the, the story is uh, it's a familiar story for investors across the world decelerating global growth uh the the new switch to a china services driven recovery rather than the traditional investment led recovery this is having a, a, a pretty big impact as well as interest rates staying uh high longer in the west um we, we saw, uh, actually it was exactly a week ago, uh, there was a paper by, uh, it was their annual paper by the Bank of International Settlements and they noted that positive growth spillovers in Asia from a China services-driven recovery should be limited with no actual significant impact. It, it's The reasoning is services are a lot less tradable and more orientated towards domestic demand and they actually showed that in the previous um, uh, Regime, well, not regimes, but in the in the previous, I guess, growth cycles in China, between 2004 and 2019, if you had one percent year-on-year quarterly growth in China construction activity, that increased Asian manufacturing exports to China by seven tenths of a percent over the next four, four quarters. Mm. And then, if you had the one percent year-on-year growth in China manufacturing output. Um, that increased Asia exports to China by six-tenths of a percent, whereas if you've got the services growth, there's a negligible impact. So, that, so that's, that's, a, that's a big one. But at the end of the day, you do have a lot of diversity here in Southeast Asia to contend with uh, the decline in uh, you know, this decelerating growth and the impact it's having on exports. You've got Thailand. Actually, on the other hand, it does have a very low policy rate. In, I think it's the lowest in the region. So you've got that at 2%. Um, and 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 then you've got in the central bank of the Philippines they maintain the highest policy rates at six and a quarter percent. Um, and for Singapore, look, our economy grew four tenths of a percent on the year in the first quarter of this year. Next week we'll get the preliminary figures for the second quarter. It has uh, it has been slowing. And if you look at our best performers in the market, it was auto manufacturers. In fact, it was auto manufacturers were the best performers in June. Uh, across the world and across the region. And uh, in Singapore, we had Neo and Jardine Cycling Carriage. And also that green theme has also seen Semcorp Industries and yangtze Jung shipbuilding outpace. But for the big themes for the region, I think it continues to be digitalisation, the, the growth of semiconductor fabrication here. Fortified, diverse supply chains is also important and obviously the upstream green mining are uh, making up those key economic themes of the region for the second half.
1: If we look forward for the the second half, I'm wondering these markets, although it's a diverse region, as you say, and you can't treat all these markets as the same, but I'm wondering if these markets could be the hidden gems of the second half. Because on the positive side, I know obviously they've been affected by global slowing growth, but on the positive side, as you mentioned, the economies are doing quite well. The central banks seem to have got inflation under control um, in, in these markets. Some of them are benefiting from the rerouting of of trade uh, supply chains uh, away from China. So obviously, countries like Vietnam definitely benefiting um, from that. And they're sort of immune, aren't they, from also the geopolitical tensions that you have between the US and China. I'm just wondering, maybe, you know, these markets have been overlooked, focusing too much on the negative. But there's quite a lot of positives for them that maybe people should look at in the second half of the year
2: yeah that's exactly right i mean that we're not the hugest stock market in asia pacific obviously but there is a lot of economics a lot of exciting economics behind it and for for quite some time now pretty much the last 20 years or so we have been on these reform tracks to increase connectivity uh between the 10 asean states and 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 yeah and with with a lot of demand in the or a lot of a lot of I guess the upstream green mining the renewable uh the renewable raw materials they use to power batteries much of that is found here in Southeast Asia as well and this is creating uh, a lot of fdi opportunities and that brings money to the door and then when there's uh, international money wanting to go to work in asean it means that those Some of those uh barriers that we've had in the in the the past like higher transportation costs or different levels of customs to get business done a lot of that integration uh really gets spurred on and uh and we can overcome those obstacles so having these fortified diverse supply chains where you don't have to concentrate on one link in the in the supply chain but can diversify it out is very important and that's what we are uh, aiming to achieve here and of course Having the uh, pretty strong consumer demand here as well across Southeast Asia, it also works with digitalisation. So, yeah, it, it, uh, there is a lot of good timing, uh, it, certainly when it comes to the global economic front here, Peter.
1: Let me ask you finally about one of my favorite markets, which is down in your region, which is Indonesia. I'm sort of, you know, quite excited by the prospects for Indonesia because the, the fundamentals look good. There's reforms going on. The, the economy is good. It's got a current account surplus at the moment. And you have all these IPOs uh, coming as well as the government uh, sells its stakes in, uh, in, in nationalized industries. Tell me your thoughts about Indonesia.
2: Oh, very strong, I mean from the outset this year, it has been quite strong, and we saw that built into market expectations in the Jakarta composite uh, index uh, as early as last year and and the, the The key thing is inflation expectations as the as the Bank Indonesia says are very well anchored, and it expects headline inflation to return to the, uh, the target range of two to four percent this quarter, which is very different obviously to the west when you 've got the uh, you know, Fed governors that come in next year as voting members saying that rates could be on uh, you know at these high levels up to the end of twenty twenty four. Bank lending is also growing steadily to double digits in May, um, or almost double digits in May. I think it was nine point four percent year on year, and at the same time, uh, that Bank Indonesia is strengthening its prudential stimulus. So. You've got all four working well for them in terms of the, the policies, uh, the prudential, the monetary, the fiscal, and of course structural as well.
1: Okay, well, great. Thank you very much for that. A nice update on the uh, on the Southeast Asian region. That's Jeff Howie, who is the market strategist at the Singapore Exchange. <laughs> You've been listening to Money Talk. If you want more information on any of the stories we've discussed today, please take a look at my daily newsletter, which you'll find at peterlewismoneytalk.substack.com. Tomorrow on the show, I'll be joined by Asian fund management industry consultant Stuart Aldcroft, Richard Harris, who's chief executive officer at Port Shelter Investment Management, and our US economics correspondent, writer and broadcaster Barry Wood. See you tomorrow. Money Talk.